We're turning tonight to John chapter 4 as we look at this story of the woman at the well. Now throughout history there have always been prejudices. People tend to fall under a certain label. That label might be to do with their nationality, where they come from, and they might suffer prejudice based upon the very fact of their nationality. They might face prejudice based upon their skin colour. They might face prejudice because of their social standing uh, in life, the uh, area or community in which they were born into. Prejudices have existed in every walk of life, and we see examples of this in the scriptures as well. We can see how the religious leaders were annoyed at the Lord Jesus Christ, that he socialized with publicans and with harlots. They didn't think that he should be associating with those people. They, were, they had prejudicial uh, opinions and a prejudicial spirit. But why do we have such a spirit? Why do we develop prejudices uh, against other people? Well, sadly, it's because of sin whereby a spirit can swell up within us, whereby we think that we are better than other people based on nationality, based upon skin color, based upon social standing. All these different prejudices can rise up within us because of those uh, factors. A social study was done in a church one week. I read about it a number of years ago. A man was sent along to a church. He was very well dressed, very presentable. He had a good suit on. He was clean shaven. And everybody was very uh, welcoming and friendly to him. And he had invitations for lunch and so forth afterwards. Uh, the next week they sent along a different man. And he was told not to shower or shave for a few days. And he was told to wear scruffy clothes. And surprise, surprise, that man didn't receive as warm a welcome. And he didn't receive any invitations for lunch. Two men sent along in a social study and the response was very different based only upon their physical appearance. Well, sadly, uh, a different response is most likely due to prejudice, whereby we form these opinions within our own minds. Now, despite knowing true theology that the Lord Jesus Christ can save all types of people, we can perhaps be guilty in our own hearts, even if we don't verbalize it, of struggling to practice that. We might be guilty of sitting thinking, well, that person lying on the street in their state and in their condition, they wouldn't want to hear the gospel. They wouldn't be interested in the gospel. They wouldn't listen and they certainly wouldn't respond. Despite the gospel being the very thing that they need. But there's only one. Uh, we can look at the disciples as well. They were certainly guilty of prejudice. Whenever children were brought to the Lord Jesus Christ, what did the disciples do? They chased them away. They said, the Lord will not want to speak to these children. He wants to speak to the grown-ups, the adults. He wants to speak to the educated, to those who want to hear him. And they chased the children away. But the Lord Jesus took those children, put them upon his knee, and blessed them. We can think of the blind who cried out to the Lord Jesus Christ. Son of David, have mercy on me. And what did the disciples do? They told the blind to be quiet. The Lord Jesus Christ, will, he, he'll not want to uh, speak to you. Uh, you're of no use to him. You're of no service to him. How can you come and be a disciple? How can you serve uh, with your disability? But the Lord did have an interest and he did heal the blind. There's only one person who has never exhibited any prejudice. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew the sins of all men. 
He knew that all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. And he was able to see past their outward appearance. And he was able to see a soul that was in need of salvation. Look at the contrast here. John 4, we have this woman at the well. This woman who is an immoral woman. Contrast it with John chapter 3, Nicodemus, the religious Pharisee. The message was the same to both of them. The religious and the immoral. The message of the gospel and the message of salvation. The Lord Jesus Christ, he comes to the well to meet this woman. He has to come here. We read at the start of the chapter in verse 4. He must needs go through Samaria. He's coming to meet with this woman. The disciples are sent on in to the town in order to get uh, food. The Lord waits at the well for this woman. Now if I can just pause for a moment. How did the Lord know about this woman? How did he know the details about her that he goes on to convey? Now of course it, it, Christ in his one person has two natures. Fully God and fully man. But in his human nature, and he did have a real human nature, he had a real humanity, his human nature was the same as our human nature. It had limitations. And his, the, the human nature, his knowledge, had limitations as well. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed everything that Christ knew to his human nature. If his divine nature was supplementing his human nature with information and knowledge and power and so forth, then it wasn't a real and genuine humanity. But the Holy Spirit was Christ's divine comforter and enabler, helping him to know the information about this woman like he did, but also giving him the power to do the miracles that he did. So the Holy Spirit has revealed to Christ that there is this woman at the well, and he comes to meet her there. Just three headings to leave with you tonight. First of all, as we think of this woman at the well, let's think about the sinner exposed. Now notice, first of all, her nationality. Verse 7 says that she is a woman of Samaria. But then in verse 12, she says, Our father Jacob, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, that her and him have the same ancestor, Jacob. So who were these Samaritans? Well, the Samaritans were those from the ten tribes who were taken into captivity, but they married non-Jews. So therefore, they were not able to trace their Jewish roots. All the records were kept of what tribe you came from, who you married, and you were able to trace all your ancestors back all the way to Abraham and further. But the Samaritans couldn't do that because uh, they had married non-Jews. So this is a woman of Samaria, outside of the nation of Israel. Now the Jews, of course, would be shocked to think that their saviour is bringing the message of salvation to this woman of Samaria. But here, friends, this is the gospel. That the gospel is not just for the Jew. The gospel is not just uh, for the Israelite. The gospel is for the whole world. The Lord Jesus Christ came to be the saviour of sinners from every nation. And that ought to fill us with joy today that he came to be the saviour of sinners from this nation. And he came to be the saviour of sinners in Analong tonight. He came to be your saviour. Not just limited to the Jews. He came to be the saviour of the world. Notice also the nature of this woman. Verses 17 and 18. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, 
And he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidest thou truly. The nature of this woman. Now commentators are divided upon this as to what it actually means. Does it mean that she was married five times and divorced five times and the man she's with now is not her husband? Or does it mean that she was just an immoral and promiscuous woman uh, guilty of several accounts of adultery? I believe that she was married and uh, divorced five times, but it doesn't really matter. The, the nature is all the same. This woman is a, a, a sinful woman. She's a carnal, lustful woman and not satisfied with one man in her life. But notice, this woman is coming alone at midday. It used to be the practice that women came early in the morning and they came as a group to the well, drew their water in a social group and came back again. It would have kept them safe, safety in numbers. It was also a time when they would get their water early in the day to do their work. But this woman's not coming with the other women of the village. And she's not coming in the morning. She's coming alone at midday. That shows us that this woman was most likely um, an outcast amongst many in society due to her promiscuous and sinful nature. I believe verse 13 is the Lord referring uh, to her love of sinning. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Speaking of of those who drink of the, the sinful indulgences of this world, they will need to keep going back because sin will never satisfy and it will never please And he's referring to that. And so it is with this woman. We might say of her, well, yes, look at her with her her terrible and awful sins. I would never commit sins like that. I would never be an adulterer like she would be to such an extent. I wouldn't be as immoral as she would be. But the truth is, dear friends, you and I, we do have sins. They'll be different from this woman's sins. But we still have our sins. That is heinous in the eyes of God. That is an offence to God. A sin that needs to be confessed. And a sin that needs to be repented of. It's one thing to say we're not as bad as that woman. But the truth is. We're still bad. In the eyes of God we're still sinners. We still need salvation. Notice also her ignorance of spiritual truth here. Verse 11. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. The well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? So the Lord has started to communicate to her the gospel message, telling her about the living water that he has, the salvation that he is able to impart to her. And it's gone over her head. She hasn't realized it. She thinks he's still talking in the physical. She's ignorant of the spiritual message. Well, dear friends, the message of the gospel is simple. That the Lord Jesus Christ calls us to repent and believe. That is to see that we're sinners before him, to confess that sin and to believe upon him. The message of the gospel is not a complicated message. The message of the gospel is a simple message. That we have sinned and that Christ is the saviour of sinners. And that is the simple message of the gospel. The all men in scripture refers to all types of men. All classes of men. All nationalities of men. When it refers to the world. It's referring to the different nations. Not just the Jewish nation. And the Lord Jesus Christ receives all types of sinners. He said if I be lifted up I will draw all men unto me. That doesn't mean every single person. 
It means all classes and all different types of men. And dear friend, that ought to give you and I hope here tonight. Hope that it doesn't matter that the, the background that we come from, the social standing that we have in society, the job that we're employed in, the money in our bank account, it doesn't matter about our previous church attendance as if God is keeping a tally and you have to get to a certain amount to get into heaven. No, dear friend. The message is that all types of men, all types of women, Regardless of where you've been born, regardless of where you live now, all types of men can be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice her interest in him. Verse 9, I think she's amazed that he's talking to her. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me? How? She's amazed that this Jewish man is speaking to her. She wants to know more about the living water that he's talking about. She doesn't say, well, yes, that's, that's a fine message, but that's for somebody else. That's not for me. It doesn't suit me today. I'll put it off till tomorrow, taking you up in this offer of living water. No, she wants to know more about what he's speaking about. Many people show a fleeting interest in the gospel. They think if they come to church that that'll please God and that'll make God happy. Well, I can say that God is glad that you're here tonight. He's, uh, I, I would venture to say that. But that's not the end of it. It's what we do with his son. The Lord, uh, the Lord calls us to believe in his son. To receive Christ as our saviour. That is the point that God wants you to get to. Not just coming in the doors of the church. Not just coming out on a Sabbath evening. Not just coming out to the midweek service. These things are good. But the point that the Lord is trying to get you to is to believe upon his son, to love him with all of your heart and to walk with him. Dear friends, the Lord Jesus Christ has an interest in sinners. Sometimes we can be guilty of not having an interest in our neighbor, not caring for those uh, who perhaps live in our community, who maybe need our care, who maybe need our attention. But the Lord Jesus Christ had an interest in sinners. He had an interest in their souls because he knew more than anything what would happen to those who died in their sin. He knew that they would be lost forever. He knew that they would be in hell for rejecting God's offer of mercy. So the Lord Jesus Christ said, I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Sinners. That's who he came. He came with a burden for them. He came with a desire to save them. His enemies called him a friend of publicans and sinners. And what a friend he is. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And that's what the Lord Jesus Christ did. This woman at the well, she had sin that was to be exposed. And dear friends, we have sin that needs to be exposed. Others around might not know our darling sins. The sins that you and I covet within our heart. But the Lord knows them. He knows those sins that would keep us back from him. Those idols that we've built in our life. Those sins need to be torn down. And we need to seek forgiveness from Christ. So we've seen first of all the sinner exposed. Secondly tonight notice the saviour exalted. Notice first of all his condescension to speak to the woman in verse 9. How is it that thou, being a Jew, 
Ask us drink of me, which I'm a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, when it says they had no dealings with the Samaritans, it didn't mean that they completely ignored them or shunned them. They passed through Samaria. They did business with the Samaritans, but they wouldn't socialize with them. They wouldn't have a meal together. They wouldn't drink together and things like that. But she's amazed. This man, being a Jew, he's speaking to me. Well, dear friend, that was only a little fraction of the condescension of Christ. The greater condescension is that the one who the Bible describes as being the king of glory, he left that glory and he came to this world taking upon himself that real humanity, living among sinful men and women, keeping the law of God perfectly. That is his great condescension. The humiliation that Christ endured upon this earth uh, was unbelievable. Having to live amongst us and then suffering the humiliation of being arrested even though he was innocent. Suffering the humiliation of being found guilty and sentenced to death. Suffering the humiliation of being put to death and suffering that humiliation of being put in the grave. What humiliation the Lord Jesus Christ endured. So this woman thinks his condescension is him coming to speak to her at the well. No, dear friend, the greater condescension is that Christ came into this world. And that ought to boggle our very minds that the Son of God became the Son of Man in order to save sinners. That's his great condescension. Notice his willingness. Verse 10. He offers her salvation, speaking of this living water. If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that say to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest ask of him, and he would have given thee living water. So he doesn't say, I have no dealings with you. You're a Samaritan. You're beyond my reach. You're beyond my scope. I can't do anything for you at all. No. He says, if you realized who you were speaking to, I would give you. This living water, this salvation of God, I would give it to you if you'd only but ask. So he's willing to give her salvation, willing to pardon her sins. And he offers it to all without prejudice. He doesn't say, well, if you'd only clean up your life first, then I'll think about saving you. No, dear friend, that's putting the, the cart before the horse. We don't clean up our lives to come to Christ. Because then works would be involved. We come to Christ just as we are. Seeking the forgiveness of those sins. Seeking to put them behind us. And seeking to live for him. This living water that he offers her is salvation. It's without prejudice. He didn't even at this stage tell her how she needed to deal with um, the husbands. And he that she had or he that she had now that wasn't her husband. But notice his divinity here. He knows every detail about this woman. The details that have been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. And dear friends, can I say, he knows every detail about us. He knew the day you were born. He has known every second of your life. He has known every thought that you have ever uh, thought. He knows every deed that you have ever done. He knows everything that you will do. He knows everything about you. And despite knowing everything about you, he still wants to be your saviour. Now that's remarkable. Because whenever we're going through that courtship period with our loved ones, uh, the one that we're trying to get to be our spouse, our husband and our wife, we don't tell them the bad things about us. 
Well, this is how bad-tempered I am. This is how much I snore. This is how grumpy I can be in the mornings. We don't tell them those things. We'll wait until we're married and then they find out those things. But the Lord Jesus Christ knows everything about us. And he still wants to be our saviour. And that ought to be the most humbling thought. We go into that job interview. We try to tell them the good things about us. We try to sell ourselves. Christ wants us despite knowing all the wickedness. And the sinfulness of our hearts. He knows all about this woman's sins. And he still wanted to save her. He knows all about our sins. And he still wants to save us. The saviour was exalted. Before this woman. And dear friends the saviour. Should be exalted in our lives. The Lord Jesus Christ should not just be a name that we sing whenever we come to church on Sunday. It's not just a name that we own whenever it comes to a certain time of the year. Yes, I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. No, the Lord Jesus Christ should be a, it should be a personal living relationship with him. Not just a tick box, not just a mental ascent, but it's knowing him and loving him. And he should be exalted in our lives as a result. Thirdly and finally here tonight, notice the salvation experience. We see the compassion of Christ in verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus in the well and it was about the sixth hour. He sat there waiting for her. He didn't say, well, it's awful hot today. It's the sixth hour. That means it's about 12 o'clock midday. Uh, they started counting zero o'clock was 6 a.m. So it's midday. It's the hottest part of the day. And the Lord doesn't think, well, yes, there's this woman coming and she's a sinful woman, but it's really hot today and I'd really rather go into the town with the disciples and, and get something to eat because I'm awful tired and weary. He doesn't say any of that. There's a sinful woman coming who needs to hear the message of the gospel, who needs to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And despite the weariness of his flesh, he's there and he's going to wait for her. It's the compassion he had. Notice the grace that he conveys too. Verse 14. He says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But whosoever. He doesn't say, If the Jews will come and drink of this water, they'll be saved. He doesn't say, If the righteous come and drink. He doesn't say, If the educated come and drink. He doesn't say, If those who know their Bible inside out come and drink. No. The whosoever comes and drinks of this water. And dear friends, that's the free offer of the gospel right there. That Christ is freely offering salvation to all men. He offers salvation to sinners far and wide, young and old. To the whosoever will come. He extends to them that invitation to leave their sin behind and come to him. But look at the end of verse 14. And I, shall give it, and I shall give him, shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. What is this living water? It's the salvation of Christ. Not just for this life, but for all eternity. I was doing a bit of study on uh, some of the modern Bible translations. And I looked at John 3.16 in one of the modern translations. And it says that whosoever believes in him shall have a full and lasting life. Well, that's wrong. Christ didn't come to give us a full and lasting life. That's the prosperity gospel. Christ came to give us everlasting life. 
Our life is only a vapor here upon this earth. Everlasting life is for all eternity. And that's the life that Christ came to give you, dear friend. Everlasting life. If you will but come and believe upon him. Notice the commitment of this woman in verse 15. She doesn't say, yes, I hear everything that you're saying, but it's not for me today. I'll, I'll take a rain check. I'll go home and think about it. I'll talk to one of my husbands about it. I'll, 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 we'll put together a committee and we'll have a discussion. No, she, makes, she gives him an answer there and then. She says, give me this water. I can't, I, I'm not taking any longer to think about it. This is what I've been missing in my life. I realize the emptiness of my life, the vanity of sin. Give me this water. And so it is, dear friend, we're not to put off the gospel. We're not to delay it to another day. The Bible tells us very clearly, behold, today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. What has your response to Christ been? He tells you clearly and plainly, he is your saviour. But you must come to him. Have you responded like this woman and said, give me? Give me this salvation. Or if you put up your hand to Christ and said, not today, not for me. We must respond like this woman. We must say, give me thy salvation. We notice her confession in verse 19. I perceive that thou art a prophet. She's right. He is a prophet. He's the word of God. He is the fulfillment of this whole book. The whole of the Bible points us to Christ. In verse 29, we didn't read it, but she went into the village and she said, Is not this the Christ? She went and told others, Is not this the very Christ? The one that we've been waiting for. Well, dear friend, in closing, can I ask, what have you, what have you, what have you been waiting for? And what are you waiting for? What is your hope for eternity? And what is your hope for standing before Christ on that day of judgment? Because the Bible makes it fairly clear. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The one who today declares himself to be your saviour. Will one day be your judge. And how will you fare on that day? Whenever he reminds you of this very passage. And the example of this woman. With all her sin. Who came to him. And received everlasting life. And he reminds you. That you also had such an opportunity. That you also heard the same gospel. But you shunned it. And turned it down. The Lord said. uh, To this woman in verse 26. I am he. I am the Messiah. That you have spoken of. uh, Today. So dear friend, as we come to a close, will you have the same response as this woman who said, give me to drink? Or will another service pass by where you reject the Saviour's offer of salvation? Let us.